In this episode, we discuss the importance of fitness and how it helps us discover ourselves, the importance of daily habits and routines, living up to one's potential or flourishing, the benefits of philosophy, and more. I really think you're going to like this conversation that I had today with our guest, Brandon Tumlin, host of the Strong Stoic podcast. As always, thank you so much for supporting the show. Please give us a like, a share, feel free to leave a review. And of course, please be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again. May wisdom be your guide. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. All right, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. Today I have Brandon Tumblin on, uh, host of the Strong Stoic Podcast. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you very much, my friend. Very much looking forward to this. Cool. I'm I'm really I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, I know that from our conversations, I was actually your first guest on your show. Uh, now you're the first guest on my show as well. So um, I think I've been on your show three times now, and we've had a lot of conversations. So definitely, definitely looking forward to introducing you to my listeners. You're you're very very interesting guy, a little bit of a renaissance man, I'd say. Um, so first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and just your background? Yeah, absolutely, man. And thanks for the uh, for the introduction and always enjoy our chat. So looking forward to this. Uh, so yeah, I host the Strong Stork podcast. It's been going for about two and a half years now. Uh, obviously, there's the word stoic in there and that people assign that a particular meaning. I would say it's predominantly based around stoicism, but it's you know, I delve into a lot of different stuff. As you know, we, I, love, I love Nietzsche, as you do. I share a, a love and respect for him. Also dig into Christian philosophy, uh, just really deep dives into a lot of different things. So I'm not, I'm not on there preaching about, uh, you know, the stoic way of life all the time. I, I try and get a lot of different stuff in there. Uh, and I also talk with guests, as, as you're doing right now. So that was something that you started for me, actually, because you, you, know, you and I got talking and decided to bring you on mine. And that started the process of bringing on guests, philosophers, authors, uh, artists, all kinds of different people. So that's been uh, that's been going really well, and I really enjoy that and, and interacting with the audience on that stuff. And I guess the other big side of me would be I'm an engineer, which is kind of the opposite of a philosopher <laughs> in many ways. But sure. uh, I don't know; it seems to work. I love I love both, and I'm also the the strong part. I guess I should touch on that is uh, I'm a strength athlete as well, uh, Olympic weightlifter. Did a bit of strength coaching as well, and it's just been a really huge part of my life. So I guess that's that's a pretty free pronged approach to uh, to my identity. Sure, yeah, and we're we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later too. I, I think that uh, you know part part of the reason that I think we relate so much is just you know you've got your day job, I've got my day job. We have you know our our free time and our passions, which you know fitness and philosophy. You know I'm I know you're more into specifically lifting I'm or specifically into Brazilian jiu-jitsu though I I do lift and I'm in the gym business but um you know I, I think it's really important for sure like on an individual level to remain well-rounded um 
something I've thought a lot about is like how our, our modern society is so shifted towards specialization that it's like, you have to focus on one thing and, and focus on one thing. But when, when you look at a field, only a small handful can be the top 1% or can be the top, you know, five or whatever it is in, in a field. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in just getting into the top 10% in something. Yeah. The top 10%, the top 20%, if you could be in the top 10 or 15 or 20% in a lot of different fields, that actually makes you uh, pretty versatile. So, um, you know, another thing I, I appreciate about, like you mentioned, obviously you're the, you're the strong stoic, but, uh, I appreciate that you have that open mind and you're not so dogmatic as you mentioned about stoicism. Um, that's something that I feel like a lot of people that are into philosophy have really lost. And I know we've, we've discussed that before. Um, do, do you have any projects aside from the podcast right now, personally, that you're working on? I know that, um, you were talking about like the walled garden. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about in public or not, but, uh, what, what are you working on currently? Yeah. So I'm involved in, in several <clears throat> other different projects. I, I suppose it all kind of spirals from the strong stoic, but, uh, but yeah, I'm involved in the Wall Garden, which is a philosophical society that's in the works of building. Uh, well, we're we're building it now, so it's it's still very much in the early stages. But the idea there is uh, just to provide a place for philosophers and seekers of wisdom to come in and learn from each other, and it's going to be all based around community, so that people can check out. But I, I would also say that I'm involved in. I mean, I do the standard blog articles, and I'm, I'm on YouTube trying to trying to get some good stuff out on there as well. It all kind of stems from the same strong stoic idea. And I'll, I'm also going to be starting a conversational podcast, which will be mostly a, a premium, which will be uh, deep dives on just kind of, I mean, I got Emerson's, uh, the major pros of Emerson, for example. So we'll be going really deep into that um, discussion base. So that's going to be called the Paradoxically Speaking uh, podcast with me and Jerse Bertolotti from the search of wisdom who you know as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that, that's something that we're going to be starting at some point, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of little things going on, but still, I think the, the spirit of what I do is still the strong stoic. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Good to hear. You got a lot of, a lot of little things in the works, little projects going. So, um, so well, let's jump back into, I know we were talking about the, the fitness aspect a little bit. So, um, I, I know that you're really into lifting fitness, you know, like I mentioned, I myself am too. Um, do you think that there is something in the self-reflective or the, the philosophical life that, uh, leads somebody towards things like fitness? Like, do you, hmm. do you see any kind of connection between the, those two areas? There's a huge connection. I, I would, I generally think that the connection is the other way around is that, if you become an athlete, it kind of puts you on this natural philosophical journey. And the reason is because it's so real, it's so visceral. So we talk a lot of, in Stoicism about perspective and how you use your rationality to understand certain things. But I think that for a lot of people, for most people, especially when you're young, you can learn a lot of these principles if you feel it in your body. And so that's what I think, that's why we have sports in school. And that's why I think everyone should be doing some form of, of physical exercise. And just to put it simply, even a lesson, a basic lesson of humility, which I know is big in, in jujitsu as well. It's like in jujitsu, you might say, there's always the chance that someone can walk into the gym and be a complete newbie and kick your ass. For me, 
as as a strength athlete, I would say you might be able to squat 300 pounds, but if you keep adding weight, the barbell is going to win. So you will you will always lose. And even if you win today, and that I use that term win lightly because I don't think you actually ever win in in sports, um, you're eventually going to become more weak and eventually die, which is again a, a key yeah. stoic idea that you know we you think about your death. So. I think uh, that's just an example, but I think the that journey of being an athlete in whatever form, it naturally humbles you. It naturally gets you thinking about perspective, and, and I think that that's really a, a key element in, in the philosophical journey. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think about um, obviously like lifting, lifting specifically is a little different, obviously, than like jiu-jitsu or boxing or like a fight sport. Um you know, in, in jujitsu, for example, if you're in a match, like you're, you're fighting another person, but you're also fighting yourself. And I think where like fitness specifically is different, especially like, you know, if you're, if you're going for a run, you're trying to hit a PR, you're really in a fight with yourself. Essentially your, your mind is telling your body, I can do this. And your body is telling you, fuck no. Like we're, we're not doing this today. We're, we're, we're not going to do this run. We're not going to hit this PR. Um, and it, I think about like just kind of the warrior way. And I think about fight club, you know, when Tyler Durden says, how much can you know about yourself if you've never had a fight? Right. It, it's like, I think that exposing yourself to that physical level of discomfort, whether it's with someone else or just yourself, it, it introduces you to a voice inside of your head that maybe a lot of people haven't met before. Um, I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about David Goggins, who like, as, yeah. <laughs> like, as crazy as the dude is, right. As, as much as there's like a part of you that, you know, I'm sure there is with you. It's you're, you're pretty rational. It's like, man, I don't know about just like running 50 miles until my feet fall off. You know, it doesn't sound beneficial, but right. <clears throat> it's like, he's representative of this voice that most people have kind of learned to silence, right? That voice in the back of your head that, you know, it's like, Oh no, just, just go in and have a Twinkie, you know, like watch, watch Netflix. Um, what, what kind of benefits like personally, do you, do you feel like you've developed or put together just as a human being from, you know, some of like some of your fitness efforts and that kind of thing? So much, man, honestly, it's been, it's been the most, consistent thing in my life and and i'm i mean i've been playing guitar since i was nine but and i've been i started strength training when i was 14 in various forms but just the consistency of it has been it's been the most consistent thing in my life and i would just say you know the basics you have discipline and and focus and obviously strength uh which are vital but i i would point a, i would go a bit deeper with it and point to what you said it's kind of recognizing and being able to talk back to that voice that's telling you to be weak. This is something that's kind of interesting because people think people look at a athlete that's maybe performing at a high level and say, well, they never, you know, they never don't want to go to the gym and they're just so motivated all the time. That's not the case, man. Right. If there's, there's yeah. even still, like I said, I've been doing it since I was 14. That's I'm 28 now. So two, yeah, about 14, 15 years. And I still get that reluctance to go do stuff. And I think what that's taught me is that 
again, that's the most consistent thing in my life. And I'm still getting doubts. I'm still getting that voice telling me not to do it. And it just reinforces for me on a daily basis that this, this philosophical journey, it's not something that you arrive at. It's something that you have to deal with every day. The things that really matter, you have to deal with that every day. And maybe that's not a bad part of the process. Maybe that's a, an essential part yeah. of the process. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that? Cause I, God, that's, that just seems to be true for me. Yeah. And, you know, I think like the last time we, we spoke, we talked a little bit about, uh, faith, which was something that I covered in the book. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, faith and its connection to courage, like even, even more so kind of beyond the writing and the, um, and Renaissance wisdom. But <clears throat> one of the things that I keep coming back to is like how, courage comes from faith. So because you've done the work to go through working out, right? Like you, you know that there is a physiological response that happens after exercise. Like a lot of times when I get out of work, I've been working all day. I get up in the morning, I'm doing content creation. I'm, I'm tired. And I get out of work at eight o'clock and I'm looking at, you know, the, the 15 minute drive in traffic, 20 minute drive in traffic to try to make it over to jujitsu, or I'm like, go home and watch like game of Thrones with my fiance, right? Like what, what really sounds better. And despite the fact that I've been doing jujitsu for all these years and I know how good I feel after I, I work out that I always feel better. I, I still in that moment, you're like, ah, I just, I don't want to do it. There's this resistance. And because I've done it so much. I have this faith that like, listen, just go through the negative emotion right now, go do jujitsu. And when you get done, you're going to feel better. You're, you're de-stressed. You've got the endorphins flowing. You can go home and eat dinner and feel good and you sleep better. So, <clears throat> you know, I think that a lot of the benefits of fitness for me have just been from kind of like showing yourself what's possible. And like you said, getting used to that discipline of, telling your body, I'm going to do something that it doesn't want to do. And knowing that there is a, a tangible benefit at the end because you've experienced it. Right. And then that's like, I think it's the same, it's the same thing for the person that's like courageous in battle or something, right? Like a warrior, because he's gone into battle so many times and been victorious. He's, he's got that experience, but not just the experience, but also the knowledge that like, I'm going to get through this because I've done it before. Um, and I, I, I guess like there's a lot of value to that, right? Just those small, those little kind of like small victories that you can have in your life. And I, I guess a lot of it starts in the gym. And once you kind of realize what's possible in the gym, then you realize maybe there's more possible in life. Absolutely, man. And a couple things are that I, I got to touch on, but yeah, you do have to walk people through. You're talking about those little wins. And when you're dealing with someone that's a, like a youth, you actually have to walk them through something like learning a sport because they have no, they've they haven't accomplished anything and that's not a moral judgment on them. They're young. We were all there, but when you're at that stage, you have to give these people a little bit of a win and how you do that is you physically have to hold their hand and teach them how to walk step by step. And over time you build up that, as you said, that knowledge, that wisdom that yes, I, I can actually accomplish things. I can actually get better. Uh, and the other thing I would touch on too, is that in addition to that, I find myself a lot of times gravitating towards fearing 
who I will become if I don't go to the gym, fearing who I will become if I instead go watch Netflix with my girlfriend or whatever and not go to the gym. That's what I think because I think, well, I don't want to do this today. I also didn't want to do it the last hundred times I came to the gym. So if I listen to that voice all of those times, am I going to be able to look myself in the mirror tomorrow morning when I sleep in till 9 9 a.m. because I'm also letting that side of me go too? Like who am I going to be in a year if I – if I listen to this weaker side of myself and it's the same with the warrior, who am I going to be if I cower and stay home while all of the other more courageous men go off to war? And that, that's, that's a question that scares, just scares the shit out of me to be honest with you. But it, but when I need that extra bump in motivation, when I'm feeling like, ah, maybe I can go, it's like, no, think about the consequences of this in terms of your character, not, being able to squat more weight, less weight, that's, in a sense, that's irrelevant. It's like, who am I going to be if I listen to this voice? Yeah, that's 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 a really, really good insight. Um, because it it's, it's definitely true, right? The, the cumulative effect of what I do, like saying no today turns into saying no tomorrow, turns into saying no next week, and then a year from now, you're 100 pounds heavier, you know, well, that maybe that's pretty extreme. <laughs> you got to go hard to gain a hundred pounds in a year, but uh, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It definitely though. Like, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that, right? Who who you are today and the decisions that you make today that that's who you become, right? You're just you're a composition in the future of all the actions that you've taken today. Yeah. Um. So that that leads me into. I wanted to talk to you about this too. There's a. You know, Plato specifically, I'm, I'm sure you've read a lot about him too, but um, he was a bit of like a renaissance man, right? Like he, he was supposedly like he was a really good wrestler. He was he's basically was like this like big, tall, jacked dude um, that actually was also a philosopher and really intelligent, studied under Socrates. Um, <clears throat> he has a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, but uh, he says, it's a shame for a man to grow old without ever finding out what the body is capable of. What, what do you what do you think about that? Have you ever come across that one in your studies or? Yeah, I love that quote. I love that quote. I, I completely agree. I think it's such a shame that, I mean, you know as well as I do, you can go into the gym and it takes a long time, but you can get to the point where you're doing things that when you started, it was like, that's not even in reach. You don't even think you can accomplish that. It's like, I'm never going to be able to squat that weight or this or do that or tackle that guy. Like, it's like you, you have all these assumptions when you start and then over time you slowly learn that and you develop yourself physically and mentally. And I, I do think, cause I have to say this, I do think that you can develop yourself mentally without developing yourself physically. I think that's possible. But as, as I said earlier, I think that the physical aspect of this stuff makes it so real and it's so natural to learn a lot of these ideas through putting yourself through a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year training, you know, the rest of your life, basically developing yourself physically. And and I agree. I think it's a shame to, to not let, what would you say? It's a shame to not um, request or desire or even demand the best of yourself. And that includes, I think, physical, the, the physical side of you, because that is a part of you as well, as well as the mental. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and maybe part of it is too, like, like you were saying, you know, when you, when you start out, th things that seemed impossible that you never would have guessed, right? I mean, I guess, yeah. It, when, when someone starts out, they, they maybe never imagined that they could hit a, a 300 pound snatch or something like that. Right. But a, as time goes yeah. on and you see these little bits of, uh, progression, suddenly you reach it one day. Um, and, and maybe that's part of the connection too, right. Is that you kind of, when you're doing these physical tasks, you shatter your paradigms a bit. Right. And I feel like as human mm. beings, when your paradigm shatters or when your belief sets shatter, that's the time where you sort of do these reflective moments and you start thinking about like, well, what else, what else am I telling myself that I couldn't do that, that perhaps I could. Um, yes. It's, it's kind of like those moments when you hit rock bottom, like when you have a, a big failure, but it, it's just, it's the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Because you actually achieved something that maybe you didn't think was possible. Yes. And you realize that that's not where you find meaning in life in accomplishing things right that's another thing that people think oh once i be once i can squat 315 three plates man i'm gonna be the badass in the gym and retire things are gonna be so yeah I'm take yeah, my I'm boots gonna off i'm gonna go home watch netflix like exactly and yeah. and that's man that's such a crucial thing because people think they're gonna get there and to get back to what we were what we started the conversation with you have to say no to that weaker side of you that's going to tell you to not do the things you need to do every day for the rest of your damn life you're never going to be able to reach yeah. a squat and if let's say you do okay i can squat 315 if you stop right now are you going to be able to squat 315 in one year because the base of life is not constant it's regression meaning if you stop putting in work you don't stay the same you get worse yeah. And that's another Scott, this thought yeah. that scares the shit out of me, but it's true. How, where will you be in, in, in a year? If you stop going to the gym, not going to be the same, going to be much weaker. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're basically, I mean, we're, <clears throat> we're fighting time. We're, we're vegetative. I mean, if, if you are not progressing in something, you're essentially moving backwards because you know, your, your body ages, it breaks down. I mean, I've been feeling that more over the last years. I mean, I, I hit 33 this year. I'm going on 34 and mm -hmm. it's just, it's not the same. I remember 10 years ago when I was training jujitsu full time and I, I trained six, seven hours a day, weight training three or four days a week. And you just, I just go home, eat a pizza, go to bed and wake up and feel good. And it's, it's not the same. The, the knees are breaking down. The back's getting old. I mean, just, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, you know? Right. And you have to adjust accordingly. Yeah. yeah, you have to kind of change your whole your whole outlook, your whole training plan a little bit. Um, Do you think that makes you better in the like from a from an athlete athletic perspective because you have to demand more for yourself because of, or more of yourself rather because like you said you could go you used to be able to go eat a pizza now it's like no no I have to get my diet aligned I have to get everything perfect it's like the the margin for um, let's say low quality endeavors goes down because you, you need to have that quality on point for you to feel good. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I've always been pretty disciplined as far as how I eat and everything, but, uh, it, it's definitely, I have to be a lot more focused than I, I actually like all the time at jujitsu, they, they call me like juice co. That's my, like, okay. yeah, they, they're like, I, I'm on steroids. Everyone says I'm on steroids yeah. and 
I like guys. Like if I was on steroids, you you would know, right? I would actually look like I'm on steroids. Like I'm fit, but I'm not. I'm not just like Jack Diesel, right? right. But uh, I always think about like they just don't realize like how like if they walked with me for a week and they saw what I ate and they saw that I don't drink alcohol and they saw that I you know always try to make sure that I get <clears throat> seven hours of sleep minimum a night, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep, you know the all the things that I do for recovery, the fact that I, you know, work out basically twice a day, you know, five, six days a week, uh, they'd be like, wow, you know, because they, they would realize the reason I don't look like him is because I skip the gym. You know, I go to the gym, but I skip it two days a week. And I don't do two a days. I do one a days. And, you know, I, I eat like him, you know, maybe 20% of the time, but the rest of the time I eat crap. And on the weekends I go and I drink and I kill my testosterone and I mess up my, my recovery response. So, uh, yeah, th there's a lot that goes into it uh, as I'm sure you're well aware of. So, yeah. And that's another key lesson in this stuff that athletics teaches you is that what really matters is what people don't see. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, you know, you, you go to the gym and you see someone squat a weight that you want to squat and you, you say, oh, God damn, I, I can't wait to be there. But that's not where the success that that's like, that's achieving the goal that they sought out to achieve, but that's not what got them that what got them. That is like you said, sleep, you know, saying sometimes even saying no to social events, you can't go to because you got a competition coming up or something like this focus, this eating healthy on a regular basis, you know, uh, hopefully probably getting up at the same time every day. That's difficult. It's like balancing all these different elements. And it's almost like, Obviously, there's there's room in this for rest and and enjoying life, but you're kind of never off. Like if if you think you can just show up to the gym and you're only concerned about that in that hour or two hours, whatever you're doing, it's not how it works. It's like it counts all the time. What you do every day matters, and what matters most a lot of times is the things that people don't see because you have to get yourself through it. It's easy to motivate yourself to squat three plates when you have a bunch of newbies around the gym and you know that they're going to be like, oh, God, look at that guy squatting all yeah. that weight. That's easy. What's hard is doing it in your home gym because COVID is here and the gyms are all shut down and you have a terrible setup and you have to squat on a carpet. Like that, that is what's difficult, what people don't see. Yeah, it's it's that uh like the iceberg success principle, right? You know, that all, all that people see mm -hmm. is the, the tip of the iceberg. They don't see everything down underneath the waterline that it, that it actually took to get that tip of the iceberg, even up visible. There, there's so right. many things that successful people do that they're just, no, nobody would ever know. They do it. They do it in silence. They don't, they don't need like a, they don't need a camera crew following them around and documenting uh, what, what they're doing. Right. They just, they do it and it, it gets them to where they want to be. Uh, yeah. Maybe, you know, like that, I think that's probably a big benefit right there to the, the fitness side too, right? Is it just teaches you that, you know, it's like the, the work that I do today that nobody sees is, is what's going to get me where I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes faith, as you mentioned, and courage, right? Yeah. So, um, tell me like, obviously we, we've had a lot of conversations. I know that, you know, we're, we're both very into philosophy, like what, what, personally got you interested in philosophy and what benefits have you seen from that in your own life? Sure. Uh, so, well, I mentioned that I'm an engineer and 
that's it's related because I studied engineering and was always told engineering is one of the hardest things you can do. And I was like, yeah, let's go for it. I was just I was naturally good at math and physics and was challenged by that, but did did pretty well in it. And when I graduated, I got a weird thing, something else that happened. There's another life lesson. It's like once you achieve something, you think you're going to be think you're going to be happy. You think you're going to be smart. It's like, no, that's not how it works. I stopped being challenged. <clears throat> excuse me. I stopped being challenged from an intellectual perspective. So then I started listening and getting involved in philosophy a little bit. And I had touched in it, dabbled in it before, but not really deeply. And I realized by hearing some philosophers speak that I knew absolutely nothing. And this was a complete ego thing for me. I was like graduating, I had an engineering degree. It's like, yeah, I had a pretty good job, knew how to design shit, you know. Didn't really understand how much I didn't know. And so I would, I would listen to these philosophers talk and just be so confused. Like I didn't know anything they were, they were saying. Mm -hmm. So that was, for me, it was a huge thing. Like, God damn, here's, an, here's a whole other world outside of what I've been studying really for the last, like, what's well, a five-year degree, but really like 10 years. And this is something completely separate and I know nothing about it. And so it was, it was a big challenge for me. And then when I started getting into it, I started to see all these benefits of like perspective and, and controlling emotion and not reducing emotion per se, but, but controlling it and, and using it. And it just, the benefits for me is I just, I know it's kind of a cliche, but I, I feel happier. I feel more content. I feel, uh, I feel a, a deeper sense of belonging. You know, I, I feel, I feel like I live in harmony now. So I could be working the same job but not feel that I think if I didn't get into philosophy. So it, it benefited the other area of my life that may seem to be at the complete opposite of a spectrum. You think engineering and philosophy, but, but the, philo the, the stuff I've learned in philosophy has made every aspect of my life better from, from a flourishing perspective. There, yeah. There's, there's two, two interesting things that I wanted to touch on there kind of from what, what you were just saying. Yeah. The first is, I'm sure you've read the story. I, I talk about it in my book, so I know you at least were exposed to it there, where um, in the Apology, Socrates is defending himself in front of the, the court at Athens. They've condemned him of uh, corrupting the youth. And he tells the story about going to see the uh, oracle and how the oracle, or actually it was a friend of his, but his, a friend of his went and saw the oracle, and the oracle says, Socrates is the wisest man in Athens. And he says, there's no way that I'm the wisest man in Athens. I, I don't know anything. And he goes out and he wants to disprove the oracle. So he talks to the politicians, he talks to the poets, he talks to the tradesmen, and he realizes that all of these people are fools because they know a lot about their trade, but they think that because they've experienced success in one area, they think that they know everything. And that's what really makes them a fool. And the reason that he's actually the wisest and he reluctantly accepts it is because he's like, at least I know how much of a fool I am. At least I know how ignorant I am. And I, I find it interesting, right, that you sort of had the same realization that Socrates did in a way, um, because you, you came out, you had this, this degree, you're feeling very accomplished, and then you look out and you're like, wow, I don't know 
I don't know anything about anything else, right? Like I'm, I'm specialized, but I, I'm ignorant in these other areas. And um, I think that speaks to, you know, you as a human being, right? The, that spirit of curiosity, that's kind of the foundation of philosophy that <clears throat> you saw a gap in knowledge and it didn't cause you to like double down or break down your ego in a bad way, but it caused you to want to go out and seek truth. Um, I think that that is, that's definitely something I touch on a lot. Um, and I think about a lot is that I think there's a huge missing critical component to a lot of people. Some people have it. A lot of people don't. I think the majority they're, they're so caught up in their idea of self conception that if they ever kind of feel challenged on a personal level like that, they, they become defensive. And, um, I think it's really cool that that kind of caused you to, to go out and search more. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I learned from you is, as you said, that spirit of curiosity, how, how really that is the spirit of philosophy, because that's what it was for me. It wasn't, it wasn't even, Oh, I want to make my life better because I'm miserable because I wasn't really miserable. Just kind of bobbing along as, as most people do. You just kind of bob along and you're not, depressed but you're not really flourishing but then i would hear something it's like god damn now that's interesting and it's interesting because i know the words that they are using like i understand that they're speaking english but i don't really know what they mean when they talk and so let's figure it out let's delve deep into it so it was that part of curiosity and um and i guess just a useful analogy because i i love that idea that you know the more you know the more you realize you don't know that kind of same realization that socrates had because people get confused about that too. Cause they say, well, why learn more if you're going to know less? It's like, that's not what he meant. It's kind of like a pie. So as you go through life, the pie gets bigger, meaning, meaning, you know, more, you know, more, but then if you look at the actual pie, the piece of the pie, the percentage that you know, and that you realize, you know, that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the, the, the unknown just grows. So even though you're learning more, you just realize how insu how insignificant that little piece is compared to the the vast unknown that you just have no yeah. idea it's not even in your consciousness that you can know so yeah i think i think a lot of people experience a similar thing in jujitsu um because yeah. everybody like most guys they think they can fight like they're like yeah you know like I, I could like fight i can take care of myself if i need to and you go in and, you know, maybe you're like a 200 pound dude and you're kind of fit and maybe you did some wrestling or something like that. And you go into this jujitsu class and like this 140 pounds, like man, that's like your instructor just makes you tap out like 10 times in five minutes. And you're kind of like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's like a fluke, you know? And then, and then you roll with like someone else that's like a blue belt and they've been training for a couple years and they just destroy you. And, uh, you quickly realize, right? Like I thought I knew kind of how to fight, but actually I realized that I don't. And then you go through that process again and again, like you, you get your blue belt and you're like, okay, well like now I can take care of myself. And then some guy that's like a D one wrestler that's never done jujitsu in his life walks in and he's like slamming you on your head, tossing you around. And you're like, okay, well like maybe, maybe there's more to it than what I thought. And then like you get your, your purple belt and you, you keep kind of progressing, but the, the more, deeply you understand an experience, the more you realize like how deep the rabbit hole goes, you know, like when you're, when you're standing outside and you're just looking at the hole in the ground, you just see this hole in the ground and you, you can't see there's no light in there. So you're like, well, may, maybe it's like four or five feet deep. 
and you go four or five feet deep and then you realize, okay, it's, it's gotta be at least 10 or 15 feet deep. And then maybe you get a flashlight and you shine it down and it's, it's still just pitch black at the bottom. Then like the, the deeper you go, the more you realize how deep it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an interesting question too, because you could easily ask yourself, why do it if I'm not going to really figure it out or why do it if I'm not going to be the best? Same thing happens in the gym. You get a guy that's in grade 11 that comes in and just is smaller than me and out squats me. Mm -hmm. Now you, you want to talk about something that's humbling. Yeah. That is humbling. When a guy that doesn't even have a beard comes <laughs> in, <laughs> just destroys you. Right. Yeah. And you know, that that's an interesting thing because it's easy to get disheartened like that too. It's like, what, what the hell, man? I've been doing this for 14 years and you know, you, <laughs> you're in there haven't even been through puberty yet and you're, yeah. you're you're squatting more than me his voice is so still the cracking. question is yeah right it's like okay well what what do i do about that you do what you've always done you look at where you were yesterday you try and be better today you compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today and just because you're not going to be the best at something doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing because you <laughs> you can play that game with anything why go to work if I'm not going to be the best? Why train at all if I'm not going to be the very best? And then what do you mean by best? Do you mean the top 10%, 5%, 1%, 0.1%, 0.01%? Do you want to win an Olympics? And then are you going to do that at every weight category? It's like you can play that game forever, man. So even though it's disheartening, I now I look at that stuff as, as a humbling lesson. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you think you're great, do you? Squatting X weight, lifting this so much. You, th you think you're great, do you? Look at that kid over there that's, that's doing more than you, you know? Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> this is something I think about too, like with social media too, I, I think that our, our conception of what's normal ha has really changed too, right? Because you, you could be on Instagram, for example, you know, one of the dangers of comparing yourself to others and you're looking at like, you're looking at all these guys on there and they're just, they're like warming up with 500 pound squats. They do it. And you see it constantly on your feed and it kind of like makes you think that it's this normal thing. And then you don't, you don't yeah. really realize that if you dig into specifics, for example, like how rare it is for someone to even squat 315. you know, and everyone has yeah. like a story like, Oh, when I was in football in high school, I squatted like, I don't know how your form was, you know, like may maybe you did like quarter depth that there's a lot of variables in that, right? Maybe you did squat 315 in high school too. Right. But can you squat 315 now? Like what, what can you do now? Can yeah. you do a full depth squat, good form 315? Like that makes you pretty rare. And if you're judging off of Instagram or like what's in your feed, mm. you would think you just, you would think you suck. You would think you're trash. Like, uh, so it's, it's really hard to even figure out. And even at the gym, right? Like the, the people that are going to the gym that are there, the, the people who are consistent, hard to even compare yourself against them because they're they're one of those rare human beings like yourself that's actually in the gym every day so j just the fact mm. that you're going to the gym just the fact that you're being consistent and making progress like that that already makes you a very special human being there's not there's not that many people in the world willing to do that or that do do that so that's yeah that's something i think that's really important to remember as you're making progress right Is like you have to try to tune that out and, and more focus on that inward path of like, am, am I making progress? Not, not being so worried about what everyone else is doing.
Yeah, and I think you have to have your wits about you too in terms of you have to have a lot of clarity on what's important to you. So I have, let's say, okay, I have a snatch goal, a clean and jerk goal, a squat goal. I have numbers I want to reach. But those goals are a smaller subset in the larger goal I have of achieving virtue or becoming more virtuous. So if I squat the same amount today as I do in two years, that's just a peripheral goal. It's, it's not the deeper goal that I want, which is to become a better person. And yeah. so I, th I think it's good to have a lot of clarity about that too. If in no small part, because you will also reach a point in your life where you will get weaker, even if you have the optimal training program, why? Because age comes for us all. Yeah. So to me, or let's say to someone that's 15, they might get disheartened that they didn't set a five pound PR today. What about the guy that's 70 that's still squatting? He's happy that he only lost five pounds on a squat in the last year. Yeah. It's like, it's a complete perspective change. So you have to be clear, I think as well about what, what your real priorities are in life. Yeah, that's very, very true. So let's, um, Let's hop into uh, basically the portion of the show. Every episode, um, I have some specific questions that kind of repeated generally uh, where I'm, I'm trying to look at some of your habits. We've, we've already talked a lot about you know fitness and how that's impacted your life and philosophy and some of your personal journey. Um, so personally, have you ever experienced a very defining setback or moment that caused a personal shift? So... A lot of times when you read stories of anyone that's successful in anything, <clears throat> they'll have like a moment where maybe they hit a rock bottom or they had a big failure. It caused them to shift perspective. Ha have you ever experienced uh, one of those moments in your own life? I wouldn't say I experienced a catastrophic one, but I've had lots of ones that have scared me to the point where I have to get my shit together. Mm -hmm. One of those being I was working a job in it was an engineering job, of course, but just wasn't performing well. And I, I didn't really fit in there. And I saw someone in the company that was, you know, 20 years, my senior. And I saw that if I kept going down that road, that's who I would become. Mm. And I was, I was young at the time. And, you know, there were probably some things I could have done to help that situation. But mostly not, not to put the blame on anyone or anything like that, but I think it was just the, the way the company was set up. It just seemed to create people that were lazy and just kind of got by, you know, work your nine to five and then go home and yeah, just put, to put it simply, didn't really care about excellence. And so I saw this guy and I saw how he was deceptive, how he always tried to make it seem like he was doing more work than he actually did. And I just worked closely with this one guy, but there were plenty of these people in this company. And that for me, I was like, I, this, this is not me. Like I, I care about excellence. I care about getting better. I don't want to be in a situation where I am, where people don't demand the best of me. Yeah. And, and th that was a big defining moment for me. What was that? I mean, was that around the same time that you got into philosophy also, or was philosophy something that you were already involved with before that? That was, that was right before that was about a year before that. Okay. 
Yeah. So it, it kind of led into that as well. Mm -hmm. This, this kind of perspective change. Cause you think, you know, when you, when you're in engineering school and you're working your ass off on the weekends and, and all night, like so much, the workload is so big. All you dream about is getting out and not having to work, just doing your nine to five and go home. Yeah. And for me, the lesson was that's not how you flourish. Like you don't flourish by just let's, let's do the least amount of work that I can do. Let's just, you know, let's screw the company as much as I can because I don't want to do the work. It's like, that's not the, the flourishing comes from the work and work isn't something you don't want to do. Work is, I think what in many ways life is, it's, is a huge component of your life. Something that you really enjoy that you want to excel at. That's where it is. It's in the hard work, not in achieving it. And then, then just, you know, laying back with your feet up and sipping a, a pina colada. It's not, it's, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, basically, I mean, that he he felt he had made it. He he got through school. He got some promotions. He got to a point, and that was it. You know, he mm -hmm. was he was done. He was done as a human being. He he'd accomplished everything that he wanted to accomplish. And you you looked at that and you said, "Not me. Not not today." No, and that and that scares you, man. Yeah. When you see someone that you know you will become, if you don't get your shit together. There's nothing more motivating than that, right? Yeah, very true. Um, so aside from fitness, which I know is a big uh, is a big part of your life, uh, do you have any other like daily habits or very frequent habits that you engage in that uh, help you or you think have contributed to your life? And and if so, what what are they? Yeah, just practically, I would say I, I read every day. I make that a, a habit. And I just think it's great to keep learning as I'm, as I'm sure philosophers would know. I'm up every day at the same time. I go to bed every day at the same time. I manage light at the end of the day. That helps me get to sleep better. Uh, also in the morning, I make sure I get lots of bright lights. I get out in the morning for a 10 minute walk. I just go down to my mailbox and check the mail, even though it's just flyers and bills. Uh, but that practice is like, okay, it gets me moving. It gets me some sunlight in my eyes. That's really good for productivity. You breathe fresh air. Highly recommend getting out. It's so easy to stay inside now in, in the life of working from home. But I think it's hugely beneficial to, to get up and, and get outside for a little bit. Uh, I also ice bath in the morning, just three minutes in, out, hot shower. My morning routine is set up really well, and I, I do that every day well six six days a week normally sundays is is a rest day but uh really big on that that consistency of of approach so get up first thing in the morning i ice bath i have a hot shower to <laughs> to get over the ice bath yeah i read i go for a walk to get some sunlight and then i start working and another great habit i'd like to mention too which has been really beneficial is i work solid for an hour and a half when I start, so not just an hour and a half, but what I mean by that is when I start my work day, I am focused on getting as much work as I can possibly get done in that first hour and a half. So phone is off, notifications are off, and I'm in, I'm in attack mode. I'm trying to get as many of these tasks done as I can, and I set that up before, so I'll have the priorities I have. I'll have a list of tasks that I just go to, so when I start work, I just test one, test two, test three. And I just go through the whole list after that, you know, you can get a lot done if you, mm -hmm. if you really focus in an hour and a half, people think you need an eight hour work day. And, and a lot of times you do. And I do, I do work eight hours most days, but the productivity that you can have in a short period of time, if you focus is just incredible. So 
Uh, there's just a few things. Yeah, those, those are all great tips. I mean, I, I share some of them. Uh, it, it's interesting that the hour and a half, uh, something I've recently started doing is I, I bought this little productivity timer and I, I try to do like 30 minute blocks and, you know, I switch it over to 30 and it's phones off, like no, no interactions, no anything. And it, it is really amazing how much you can get done if you're just focused. So that great, great pieces of advice. Um, any, any favorite books you have to recommend? Ooh, I suppose it depends on where you are in your journey, but a, a book, there's a, there's a book that I would say that's been a hugely tra um, transformational for me is uh, Barbell Buddha. And this isn't like a deep, deep philosophical text, but it's a text that kind of got me interested in many ways into philosophy. So if you're a meathead, so we, we talked a lot about strength training. That's why I wanted to mention that one. Uh, because he, he was a powerlifter who was also a meathead and then turned into a meathead philosopher. So uh, definitely some a great, great starting point if someone's like into the gym and into fitness and wants to get deeper into the stuff. But another one I got to mention is the Gulag Archipelago. I know you share this as well, but there's a huge benefit in staring deep into the darkest elements of human experience. Right. Um, so I... I you know, if you want that experience, the Gulag Archipelago is probably a pretty good place to start. Okay. Uh, so those two books, I would say, have been really influential for me. Okay. Great. Great recommendations. I'll have to check them out. Uh, what about uh, any, any like, personal heroes or a hero that you want to you mention? Anybody you really look up to? Yeah, it's going to be a cliche here, but I, I got to say my dad, you know, my awesome. and my mother, awesome. but in different ways. But my, my dad was just always the... Uh, the masculine, very masculine figure, very hardworking. But despite all of that, the one thing that I think he really distilled into me, not that he was perfect at this, but that at the end of the day, all that really matters is that you try and be a good person. You know, and, and you know, we grew up in a small town, so you could say somewhat small town minded. You know, we didn't have a lot of, uh, of different races or different sexualities there. But that didn't matter at all. You know, if, if if we were driving down the road and there was a guy or, or a person who had a flat tire, didn't matter if they had purple hair, didn't matter if they had this or that. It's like, you're going to stop, you're going to pull over, and you're going to help them, and you're going to be pro-social. And this is coming from an introvert because me and, me and my dad are both introverts, but it's still, it's like, what's your duty? Your duty is to be a good person. Your duty is to help people when you have the ability to help people. And uh, that's obviously a very, a very stoic lesson. But if that's the one thing, if there's one thing that my dad taught me that, that would be it. That That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. It's very, very simple. Uh, just be good. Right? I mean, obviously, there's some, uh, there's some flexibility in that it might mean a little bit of a different thing. But I think right. pretty much all of us at a basic human level kind of understand what it means to just be good to people. Be, just be good to yourself. Yeah. Just be good. Um, yeah. All right. And, and final question. So uh, what piece of advice would you give to yourself if you could go back, you know, 10, 15 years, talk to yourself as a, as a teen, you know, uh, some, somebody that's old enough, a person, a version of you that's old enough to kind of understand what, what advice would you go back and give yourself? Hmm. God, man, it's a tough That's one. Such a right? great question. It's a tough one. It is a really tough one. 
It would probably be something around just try and just try not to worry so much. Just try and maybe go a little easy on yourself. Just try and breathe a little bit. Maybe, you know what? Don't take yourself too seriously. Okay. Yeah. I think as a kid, and I suppose a lot of people struggle with this, you get focused too much on, you know, we talked a lot about achieving stuff, get to the gym, do this, do everything you can, maximize your agency, get to work, find something you love to do. Like we talked a lot about that, but that has to be balanced with not taking yourself so seriously. Because if you take yourself too seriously, first of all, it's hard to make friends <laughs> because yeah. no one likes someone that takes himself too seriously. But you also miss the fact that th there's a there's a real element of life that's just humorous. You just got to enjoy life you know, you, a little you, bit. You can enjoy yourself yeah. while you're here. Yeah. Yes, you can work hard. Yes, you can have discipline. But you can also remember that in 100 years, you and everyone you know alive right now is going to be dead. Yeah. So maybe you should take yourself a little bit less seriously because what you do is really serious. What you do really matters. It's also not that serious and it also really doesn't matter. So it's a weird paradox, but I think I was missing that part of that paradox when I was young. That's awesome. That's a That's a great one. And probably one that I won't, probably one I won't hear that often uh, in my interviews, <laughs> yeah. but that that's, I mean, that there's a lot of wisdom in that. Just enjoy life, enjoy the moment love the people that you love, you know, cher cherish the moments that you have because you never know when they're going to end. Um, yeah. and great, great answers. Great, great talking with you. Um, <clears throat> I learned a couple of things about you that I didn't even know before the, the show started. So, um, <laughs> love talking to Hard you. To believe. Yeah. Uh, lo loved having you on the show. Can't wait to be on your show again. Uh, any, anything else you want to, uh, end out on? No, man, just, just a sincere thank you. You know, we've spoken many times and I guess we've been friends now for about two years. So, uh, always a pleasure to chat with you and looking forward to getting you back on the strong stoic. Cool. Thanks again for coming on. All right, brother. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance wisdom podcast. And hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.